Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast. Dave and Matt here, putting the sin back into cinema every Monday for your listening pleasure. Today, Matt, we have a, a couple of special guests. We did an interview earlier with uh, two independent filmmakers, artists that I've tracked for a really long time over multiple of their projects. They're a husband and wife uh, filmmaking duo, Michael and Bianca Elaine. Uh, they came on our show to talk a little bit about their most famous project, uh, which is The Zombinatrix. That's right. It sounds like a really cool movie, and we're really excited about it. So we had them in the studio today to uh, tell us all about it, and we hope you enjoy uh, listening to this interview with uh, the creators of the Zombinatrix. Not to uh, take over the conversation, but do you watch Rift Tracks, and have you seen Miami Connection? And they have that whole section of, uh, you know, there's this band called Dragon Sound. They're like ninjas, and they go to, like, community college together, and they're fighting ninjas. And they, nice. they're also in a band, and they have a song, See, and, and riff tracks are like, everybody clap like white people. So it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, we're so off-tempo. I pretty much use the riff tracks if there's a like a really big mainstream film that I know I don't want to watch, but it's yeah. becoming part of the culture, like <laughs> yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey or uh, Twilight, something like that. It's, you know, riff tracks enables me to watch it in my own way, so I, I can actually enhances see the, the experience. movie and know what people are talking about. So I was thinking uh, when I when I asked y'all to be on, I was trying to think like when we first sort of made contact, right? And I think it was eight years ago. Yeah, it, it was, was a eight, long time ago, eight or nine years ago. Yeah, like a long time ago, back in Texas. Yes. Um, me and some of my friends were trying to put together a horror film called Violet. Yes. And. I don't recall specifically how we came across your name, but you were definitely like very involved in the horror community at the time, mm-hmm. and you I think maybe had just done Albino Farm. Yeah, that sounds uh, right. <laughs> and I think we reached out just to like gauge interest, and then you know as as a lot of these projects go, like it, that project didn't happen, but um, we've just sort of loosely stayed in contact, and and I've sort of watched the progression of all of you all's um, you know projects come together. Well. We've always respected you, and we've always admired you, and sometimes we always talk about, like, we need to move to Los Angeles, but, um, you know, uh, we just came up with this idea, and when I say we, I mean he. Well, we did a short film. He did. He created an entire short film, and it had so much acclaim at the time that I, here's the funny thing about him. He will not tell you this, but he actually has a lot of. I did. I didn't know this. Michael actually like came up with Web of Deceit, which was very well acclaimed and won awards and you know, entered all these film festivals and he basically did it himself. He wrote it himself. He directed, edited, lit everything himself. And when, when did you guys uh, make Web of Deceit? 20... It was uh, 2013. Yeah, it was yeah. fall 2013. Yeah. And it came about really quickly. It was that uh, ABCs of Death uh, Part 2. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was a contest and 
I think one day I just told her, like, if I did one, I would do this. And she was like, well, why don't you? And then, like... I was like, then do it. It wasn't even, like, a concrete (laughs) plan, like, I was going to do it. I just started, like, shooting... I started shooting scenes of myself by myself, just setting up a camera, (laughs) setting up mics on, you know... And he had really short hair back then, too. Yeah. Like, he had just cut all of his hair off. Yeah. And set up all the mic stands and lights, and I was just taking shots... And I edited those parts together, and I showed it to her, and I said, well, this would be, you know, the uh, the middle scene. And she's yeah. like, well, how'd you do that in yeah. 10 minutes? And I was like, well, let me redo it if you actually like it, and then we'll shoot the other scenes. And yeah. it's sort of like, it wasn't, it was the opposite of this one, which was, which is taking years and years of planning, now, because it's... May I may I say why? Um, when we began Zombinatrix, which... Now, it seems like everyone in the horror business knows about and is emailing me every day, like, when's your effing movie coming out? Because they're all pissed off about (laughs) it. Or, why am I not in your movie? Or, blah, blah, blah. Um, We thought no one would be interested. We thought it would be a similar situation. Like, okay, we can, we did this together. We did our little watch our films, you know, like short films together and we did everything together so we thought well we'll have to beg friends basically to help us out with this film and we're going to have to do everything we can to like scrape together the people of DC and Baltimore to make this film a reality well we were wrong. Yeah, basically, and, and, she's right. And I don't mean that in it's a blessing and a curse. It's like we thought this will be nothing, and then all of a sudden, one we had to wait one year for the uh, poster artwork to come out. Yeah. So and, what happened? What she's saying exactly is, uh, I was looking for a, a next project. Uh, the next idea after Web of the Seat because I had mm-hmm. so much fun making it yeah. and then sending it out to the festivals and, you know, winning some of these things un- yeah. unexpectedly. Again, something I just decided one and weekend. And I won things too yeah. from it. Yeah. And it's just like deciding, well, let's shoot this this weekend. And then shooting it, editing it real quickly because it was like one of those timed contests so we had to get it done in like right. a couple of weeks. And then actually, you know, it placed 20th out of like 540 entries from all over the world, which was impressive to me. I was like, wow, we actually did something here. So I started sending it out to festivals, and it was actually, you know, being accepted to a lot. And we got to travel around. We won some awards. So that was exciting. So then I was looking for the next thing like that to do. And when yeah. we were doing Watch These Films, you were a big supporter of that and donated to mm-hmm. our campaign mm-hmm. for the season two of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were doing that, um, everyone's favorite episode seemed to be the Frankenhooker Frank episode. Yeah. And that was, right. that was always one of my favorite movies. So I was looking for something like that to do. And I was thinking, like, well, a lot of it was he wanted to he wanted to give me a chance to be the star of a film because every time I've done a movie, you know, I asked to get paid to, to be in movies because I've been doing it for so long, and um, usually they're like, okay, we'll pay you, but you can be in the movie for like about five minutes. You can either work on the entire film for free for you know years or we'll pay you for a weekend and you know yeah yeah well and and so matt i don't know how familiar you are um with uh, bianca or michael's work but uh they web of deceit was a short film like they said that was a submission for the abcs of death 
Um, and then you guys had a short running sort of um, YouTube show that was called Watch These Films right. or WTF, right. where, you, where you reviewed films and then sort of, um, at least in some of the episodes are even cosplayed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some skits yeah. Here. yeah. What were some of those experiences doing those projects that sort of prepared you for you know getting getting excited about doing this sort of feature film okay well i'll say again the frankenhooker episode just to backtrack and connect these two things a bit more the frankenhooker episode was everyone's favorite so i was looking for something like that to combine sort of two things so every day i have a long commute in and out of dc to work so i would sit there and i would think of ideas literally with the radio off just thinking for an hour and a half and I was trying to think of something, as she said, that she could be the star of and sort of be the centerpiece and the main attraction. And I was thinking of something Frankenhooker-like. So I was trying to combine things. And then I started thinking, well, what would I like to see? So, you know, admittedly, I'm more into sort of the kinkier side of things. So I started thinking, well, let me look maybe at Dominatrix or something, right? So I said, well, mm-hmm. what would be good? So the next thought I had actually was, well, what's popular right now that I can capitalize on? And this was when I came up with the concept was 2015. Walking Dead was still all the rage. And Matt, as, as you mentioned earlier, um, Fifty Shades of Grey just sort of in passing. Ironically, that was also popular at the time. So I was kind of thinking Fifty Shades of Grey, something kinky and zombies, dominatrix. So I just sort of, it just came to me like in a moment. It was just zombinatrix and i was like actually that sounds pretty good and i started texting her while i'm driving in heavy traffic like you're not supposed to and and she was like and she was like i love it i love it and uh i came up with the tagline i said uh she's into whips and brains and she came up with that immediately too it was like Like, it it was just like from the universe or something i don't know but it, it, it just snapped into my head and i was like She's in the, into whips and brains. Yeah, it was like, great. <laughs> and so from there, we wrote an entire script really quickly, and we began filming things, and then now we've decided our script is different. Yeah. And our script, well, part, part of it is because we had our fundraiser, two fundraisers, and we've had so many people that actually want to be in the movie that we have to, had to rewrite it so that I had to write a scene to fit all of them in and yeah. I, I wanted it to make sense not just be a throwaway yeah. thing that was one of the big parts yeah and i was trying to use right. some stuff that we had already shot but then i was like well mm-hmm. it just things became really complicated with you know trying to you know certain cast members and crew and stuff but and how, personal personal life yeah. things but to tie it back to answer your uh question i'm sorry we all sort of went off track there but um, to answer your question, how watch these films prepared us for this? It did in some ways, but not a lot. Because the thing about watch these films, it was much like Web of Deceit. There was there wasn't a lot of pressure. It was something we would just, Do hey, we fun. like this film, and she would say, I have some funny things to say about you know this part, and that's sort of the way that that YouTube show goes. She says funny things about certain parts, I- and then the clips are inserted and. I grew up watching Elvira's uh, Macabre Theater, or whatever it's called, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, Up All Night with Norma, uh, I mean, Rhonda Shear, and so I, I I was kind of like into that whole, like, it, it was sentimental to me because my older sister and I always uh, watched like when we went away to our dad's on our week on the weekends, we would watch those shows because they would come on. I don't know Fox or something. It was always like, 
you know, Tales from a Dark Side, and then Freddy's Nightmares, and then Elvira's Macabre Theater, and we would always watch Elvira and laugh and laugh, and then, like, we wouldn't want to watch, like, the actual movie. We'd want to see, like, what she said that was so funny. And then, um, as I became older, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 came out, and uh, Joe Hodgson... Hodginson? Whatever the original guy's yeah, name Joel. is. Yeah, Joel. I think Joel. Yeah, our, just audience, Joel. our audience Let, will know Joel if you just Let's say just that. call Joel. <laughs> yeah. he, he had the brilliant idea of what we all wanted was we don't want to wait for the commercial breaks. We want to see the riffs, like, you know, during the film, real you time, know, yeah. like oh, in yeah. real time. There's something about me that loves... A great movie, but there's something about me that loves a movie that's so bad, that is so good. And and you can't just make, intentionally make a bad movie, you know what I mean? You have, right. I, you have to make, you have to have that heart in it. You have to really try to make that movie a good movie. Yeah, I was, um, I don't know if you guys have read this, or Matt, if you've seen this. Like, So, uh, Glenn Danzig just made his own uh, film. Oh, really? Oh yeah, and actually, I actually have a friend who who did a few days on it, and um, you know, without trying to ask too too much behind the curtain, he was just saying it's pretty chaotic, and 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 Danzig's a very interesting guy and a very obsessive. He knows exactly what he wants. Yeah. The re- the reviews I'm hearing are calling it the room of horror films. You guys <laughs> oh Every, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. oh oh, you're tearing Yikes. me apart, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. I I have purchased tickets as of yesterday to the LA premiere of Ver- Veronica. Is it? it yeah, Veronica, it's ba- based it's on a, his comic book of the same name. Am I correct? Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so this is all Glenn Danzig's like project. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's his, his whole, baby. Oh, yeah, it's all well, him. I'm 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 hoping to get a, a full report on how. Yes, well, I'll do definitely do a, a sort of review of it. But it speaks to what you were saying, which is that um, yes, supposedly this movie is so off the rails, you know, classically bad. Right. But but every review I've seen has been like. It's you can see how much heart and yes. detail yes. and vision he poured into every shot that you can't help but enjoy yes. it, even if it's unintentionally exactly. comedic. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I will quote Joe Bob Briggs because I said this for years. It's like, you, what did he say exactly? It was like, you can't really, the worst thing a movie can be is boring, okay? Exactly. Yeah. Boring, okay? Um, you want to see someone like Ed Wood, you want to see someone like, you know, Tommy Wiseau from The Room, you want to see... So, what's it, the, you so bald, or what's the, that guy's name? Tommy Wiseau, is it Tommy Wiseau? No, you talking about I mean that really... U- Uwe Boll, the guy that makes all the video yes. game movies, just Can, I tell, can I tell you yeah. something? Yes. He wanted me to be in a movie as Jackie Kennedy... It was going. I'm not joking. He contacted me. He says, Bianca, I want you to be Jackie Kennedy in a musical version of. I don't even know what it was. I should have done it. I I don't even know what happened. I hope it was a musical. No, 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 no. Because there were going to be like characters from all over, you know, characters from 
all times, but he was like, Bianca, you have to be Jackie Kennedy, and you have to sing for me, and you have to do this and this and that. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this is the most incredible thing. Do I, I, I kind of was up for it, but I was like telling him, I'm like, I'm not really vocally trained, so I don't know if I could do the singing portion. Plus, I look nothing like Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his plans are, but I want to see a musical musical version of the Kennedy assassination, <laughs> where it accumulates with with that moment. I, I want to see Uwe Boll do a musical version of the Kennedy. Yo, one hundred percent, yes, like uh, bullets over Dallas. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Some kind of clever. Well, the man does not lack for vision. The three, the three <laughs> of us are from Texas, right? Except, yeah, Mike. Okay, so I actually have a connection to. Um, the Kennedy assassination. He's like, oh, I'm so sick of the story. Look at him. <laughs> this <laughs> story like, again. I have to hear right. this again. My uh, my great grandmother married uh, Lee Bowers. So Lee Bowers Jr., the man in the watchtower who was suspiciously killed or whatever afterwards, was um, related to me by marriage. You know, so. Oh wow. Interesting. Did you ever hear like anything to the any of the conspiracy? Oh yeah, or? all the time. Yeah, with that that family connection, there must be a conversation around you know Thanksgiving yeah, my, things like you must hear a lot about it. My family completely thinks he was murdered. By the way, he has a connection to Doc Holliday, his family, oh. and to Patsy Cline. It's true. It's true. I will not deny those yeah. connections. So, <laughs> both, both of our families have connections to somewhat, un, I guess, possibly unsavory people. I don't know. Unscrupulous. Ooh. Unscrupulous. What you say about Patsy Klein. Well, pa- pa- Pats- <laughs> oh, she's uh, sorry, pa- speaking about being into whips and brains. <laughs> pretty sure Patsy Klein can throw down. Okay, I'm sorry. Pat- Patsy Klein is a wonderful woman. Okay. No, there was some Guys. controversy regarding her divorce or something. Yeah, but back then nobody got divorced, yeah. and my grandmother, actually, my mother's mother, got divorced, and there is like rumor. My mom's going to let, she's the only one that like watches my videos, videos and she's going to be like, Bianca, why did you fucking Ready? say that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So go ahead and yeah. reveal who killed Kennedy. I Patsy would. Klein killed uh, Kennedy. Yeah. That's what it That's is. You heard it here first on the greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying she it was did like, it, but she had something. She no. knew something. She had something. She knew something. Listen, it has something yeah. to do with her divorce, some, I heard. Some, <laughs> sometimes kink, sometimes kinky play goes wrong. That's all I'm saying. It all started with Doc Holiday, and then it moved on to Patsy Cline, and then John F. Kennedy. The finale. So, so uh, zombie natrix. I I have a question. Is uh, I want to know what kind of zombie are we talking about? Because some zombie films, you know, they're kind of grunting and they can only walk. Sometimes they're running and jumping, and they're like zombie act. You know. Superpowers. Uh, 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 parkour. I, I got parkour an impression zombies. from the Kickstarter that Zombie Natrix can speak. So, uh, yeah, she's that... uh, she's much she... more aware and conscious and able to plan, and uh, she's effect, freshly dead. Almost. She, she's freshly dead, but um, you know, in terms of the type of story, this is not. This isn't a superhero movie in terms of. Um, you know, this isn't like Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman or something, but the type of story it is, 
it's a superhero type of story in that it involves a character who's given a gift or a power like the crow that needs you know that needs to find out how to use that for whatever her purpose is be it revenge to better the world or whatever and in this case being a zombie is that power and not so much as she's a romero zombie or she's a fulci zombie it's she's someone who's brought back from the dead so where we the crow she's like eric draven but like yeah exactly the crow she's not she's not driven though by love she's driven by vengeance vengeance Nice. Yeah. And right. and what did Doc Holliday say? The hole in his heart. Oh yeah. Tell him that that's what she's driven by. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily as accurate, but she's you're talking about the scene in Tombstone where yeah, Doc in Holliday's... Tombstone. Have you seen Tombstone? Absolutely. That's okay. that's why the whole Doc Holliday thing keeps coming up because it was on TV the other night and we, we were watched watching it. it so. But um, you know he has that line. So when uh, Doc Holliday's sick. And uh, Wyatt's preparing to go meet uh, Ringo for their final battle. And Wyatt's having that conversation with Doc about uh, what drives a man like Johnny Ringo. And Doc Holliday knows it right away. A man like Johnny Ringo has a great big hole inside of him he just can't fill. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and he's, and Wyatt says, well, what's he looking for? He says, revenge. And Wyatt says, for what? Being born. If you relate that to earlier when he says, Ringo reminds me of me. And then Wyatt follows it up by saying, I can't beat him, can I? And Doc says, no, you can't. And it's he's he's basically saying you can't beat him because he has that inside of him. But then Doc right. goes in Wyatt's place and Doc dispatches of Ringo easily. It's not even a contest. And Ringo yeah, can contest, see it in Doc. Yeah. Ringo's afraid of Doc. You can see that yeah. in that scene. He's afraid of him. Yeah. And what that's telling me is, you know, Doc is saying, I'm the same way. But she's, uh, I guess, she's relating that that emptiness inside of the character to a little bit of the zombie that's that's how we got on this aside and it's a yeah hopefully hopefully the listeners find it an interesting discussion someone someone has hurt a friend or or a loved one of zombie natrix and she's got a chance to get vengeance in this case in this case she might not even know she might not be even aware she might be aware but she might not even be aware you know what I mean? Much like the Doc like, Holliday like character. A, like a true zombie, actually. Uh, if you yeah, think about exactly. It. Zombies are kind of almost uh, autonomous with their, their actions. Right, they, they're right. kind of driven by something. Yeah. They're driven okay. by something that's well, just they like the, can't control. It's almost like an addiction. It's like, I am trying to control this, but I can't. And this is my mission, and this is what I'm doing. And, you know... She's trying to fulfill something inside of her. And I think the uh, mission, you know, it's... The story arc, the the something inside of her is there from the beginning. And just, you know, relating it again to the Doc Holliday character, just to stay in one train of thought, Doc Holl- the Doc Holl- Holliday character tries to fill that hole with excess, with smoking, drinking, drinking things, smoking, you know, gambling, gambling uh, hanging out with prostitutes, things prostitutes, like that. Things and like that. so, you know, the character, the Zomination character, as a human, her name is Mistress Tani. She's much like that, where she's engaging in excess, mm-hmm. and she is. That's where she is. She's into drugs, and she's into sex, and she's into just complete indulgence, and and she's in a dangerous profession. A dangerous profession, and completely unaware and indifferent to what other people like feel for her. Yeah, un- like, unaware or unwilling to acknowledge yeah. that she has that problem inside of her. Like she. And she the, just was like, well, 
fuck them. And then the fuck the world, that type of attitude. And then, you know, her profession leads her into dangerous situations, which ultimately gets her killed. And then we're not going to reveal what here because we haven't revealed it to anyone, but something brings her back. And again, it's not necessarily in the traditional zombie way. It's much more like the crow in that it's just a a resurrected person who's on a mission. The crow meets the evil dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I keep thinking about? Also, is a little bit of um, Tim Burton's Catwoman from Batman Returns. Yes. Like, one of my favorite oh, yeah. characters. One of my favorite yeah, characters. Little... Like, such a timid woman who, uh, who she was, like, very, like, shy, timid. Like, oh, but, but my character's not like that. In fact, my character is the opposite. Like, she's probably the worst woman you could meet in the whole world. Like, she... Seems cold, callous, heartless, awful. Like, so, you, you want to hate her when you first meet her. But there's an interesting story arc to it in that, you know, even though she is someone, uh, you know, the goal is for, hopefully, it comes across when, when we show it on screen, is for her to still garner some sympathy, like, because mm-hmm. people can recognize the emptiness that she's trying to feel, mm-hmm. and you know, inside of her. Yeah, and that when she comes back for vengeance... It still has that traditional character arc, admittedly, where sort of the real goal here, even though the the immediate goal is revenge on those who killed her so brutally, uh, the ultimate goal in the story arc is for her to recognize that emptiness inside of her and sort of move away from it. Does that make sense? Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, yeah so almost, almost uh, in, in being physically dead, she finds a way to be more alive uh, on a spiritual exactly. level. She exactly. Was, she exactly. Was, yeah, flesh and blood living. Yep, yep. You got it. You got it, my brother. You got it, man. So we're so like so like one of the reasons that we started this podcast is because uh, you know Matt is a, a sculptor in Austin oh. and a musician, and we've done short films together, and obviously I work in film, and you know we're we're very partial to indie filmmakers right. because of just having been in the trenches, you know how difficult it yes. is, you just know how harrowing and, the and, and trenches, oftentimes unrewarding. Trenches is a good word. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that Zombinatrix has taken a bit of time to pull together and that it's been, in some ways, a labor of love for a couple of years now. Um, walk us through some of that process. Like, what... Well, the blessing... Where are you at and, and where are you hoping to be? And Let me try to answer as uh, best as I can, then you can, after okay. I go through my... All right. If you have something to add to it that I miss. Okay. Um, so, again, backtracking a little bit, what... What makes which made what made something like uh, watch these films so easy to do is it it didn't have a lot of pressure it didn't have a lot of um, press much anything. much attached to it it had a lot of freedom yeah. to try things and learn things so that's what we if we gained anything from doing those it's ability to try things and then learn them and then you know find what works what doesn't and then use them in other projects such as Zombinatrix. Um What's happened with this one is again we the intention initially was a short film using the resources we mm-hmm. have no pressure. When it started immediately getting all this attention and press and then people started giving money to it, it a lot more pressure was attached. So now we feel like the opportunities to fuck up are very, very few. And because if you have an opportunity that has this much, this many eyes on it, you don't want to mess it up. So that's sure. why we realized we as the problem. as perfect as possible. Yeah. As the problem started happening in the original script, we realized that, hey, what we did, we took the script that we thought. We took the initial short film sort of version of the script, which was 
who cares? No one's going to care about this thing. Let's make what we want next weekend. And we just ex- expanded on it. Um, we realized that we were working on that and it was causing all sort of problems yeah. trying to make that bigger. Uh, that we mm-hmm. decided, let's go back and make this thing a really good film. So it's been a lot of writing, uh, a lot of researching, a lot of trying to connect pieces and provide a lot of those uh, underlying layers, such as what we discussed with like a movie like Tombstone, those things that you can pick out, although they're not in your face necessarily. Trying to do those sorts of things and make it actually a really good story and not just a, a throwaway piece. There's a lot of pressure now on it. So where it is, where it was, was we were shooting that, you know, the v, the version two, which was the, the feature film version of the initial short script. And we shot a lot of that. And then we started having a lot of problems uh, finding the locations that we'd written into that. Cast. And then, you know, the, the cast, we had made the cast too big. And the crew we were working with just wasn't panning out because scheduling and creative yeah. conflicts and things like that. It's nothing personal. It's yeah. just... I mean, still friends and everything. But So then we were like, well, let's revisit the script and let's come up with something that... We're taking those lessons learned from the the mistake, which is version two, the feature film version, the second feature mm-hmm. film version of the script. We're taking the mistakes, uh, the lessons learned there. You know, we're uh, sort of taking those mistakes and trying to make sure that we, we think of all of those ahead of time while we're even flushing out the final shooting script version for this. And Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Okay, now, the human side of it. 2015... We contacted uh, Mark, uh, say just our designs to make the the poster. He cre- he mocked up like a complete like what you see is basically exactly what he mocked up as the poster. Now Mark from Sadist, we don't know what's going on in his life, so it took him a year, literally to finish the poster, even though we paid him like wow. immediately. And then. Let's see, 2016, we find out within a few months that uh, his father had cancer and he had six months to live and then he died. So we had to spend as much time as possible with him and we spent as much time as we could and we were all there together when he passed and the next day we did um, a makeup test as disgusting as that sounds like i didn't want to do it but was it just one of those things that was already yeah pretty much and we planned the makeup test we didn't tell anyone that his dad was dying um about a few months later after that toward christmas our our dog that we'd had for almost 15 years, Molly. Something where her heart a, was enlarged and her lungs were right. enlarged. And um, it was causing a lot of breathing difficulties. Like yeah, so she, breathing she couldn't breathe. Right. So for two years straight, uh, we were taking Molly, you know, to the vet. We didn't tell our crew. We didn't tell our cast. They just thought we were, like, being really flaky. But we just didn't want to ruin... The enthusiasm and the excitement and the morale that yeah. was behind the movie. So, so Molly was sick. She had uh, an enlarged heart, and they think she had Cushing's disease. And so, 
we spent about nearly $20,000 trying to save her. Wow. And she passed. And then seven months later, we were in denial about it. But our dog Dixie, our almost 17-year-old dog Dixie, she turned 17 before she passed. But she couldn't walk anymore. Like, she had such bad hip uh, dysplasia that she couldn't walk anymore. And that only happened, like, after after Molly passed. So I think it was like she lost her little buddy. And then, so she couldn't be alone. So there were, like, months I was here in the house by myself. Like, I quit school I quit a program that I had spent um I don't know two years trying to get into all of a sudden I just started throwing up like out of nowhere like just like I guess stress stress right well that's the thing I think that people don't recognize when they see a movie whether it's a big movie or certainly independent movies is that there is a real human element behind yes. making it and life, like life happens life and tragedies and deaths like these are all things that people experience and deal with and um you know if you're if you're backed by like a big studio then maybe yeah. there's a, a large enough support that you can you know, some degree weather the storm. Agreed. But when, when you're, you know, you're trying to make your own project yes. and you're trying to follow your own vision, these are things that, that play a part in it. Like there's right. often many of us for a long time, some of us for all the time, have day jobs yeah. that we've got to yeah. deal with. We both and have human, day jobs. Human responsibilities. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and and I became like sicker and sicker and uh, I lost like 20 maybe 30 pounds or something, and I was just, like, throwing up out of no... It had to be distressed. I don't know what it was, but I was caring for her. We had to go back and forth about, like, do we put her down or what? Because with Molly, we understood, like, she can't breathe, so the right thing to do is to let her go. And with Dixie, it was like... Well, some days seem better than others. Yeah, exactly. Know. Like yeah. she, she yeah. seemed okay on some days, but other days she couldn't even sleep because she was in such pain. She'd like make little grunty sounds with me, and we had our girls' nights out, and I called them that. And Buddy Michael would sleep on the couch, and she and I would just hang out on the bed, and you know, like anything she wanted, and we just watch movies together and I would kiss her and hug her and tell her everything I wanted to tell her and after 17 years I've also got a couple of elderly cats and uh yeah when when pets start getting old it's um yeah yeah. and and then I get these emails every freaking day about like when's your movie coming out when's your movie coming out I paid money for this when's it happening and it's like can you please right, cause, just? Cause you guys are doing a uh, a crowdfunding uh, yeah. thing with your film, yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. That, that does. I'm sure that does add like an extra layer of stress there because people. Uh, Can I tell you something? They have it's, expectations, right? When it's they, the biggest layer like of stress I've ever felt in my life because not only do I want to give them a movie, I want to give them the best fucking movie I can. Yeah, and I, and I and I would imagine that. You know, especially you know, you know, like if you watch a movie like a uh, Lost in Manchaka or or 
or uh, you know any of these sort of stories of these difficult productions and you you think about what a well-run production goes through much less a production that has the the disfortune of um, not having money having mishaps or tragedy yeah. you know and and you you when you go through all that you want the end result to be worth worth e- everything the cumulative yes, exactly. like build. yeah you don't exactly. want to disappoint your fans no like, well, you know i think it's as far as crowdfunding goes like one thing to remember is a lot of people that invest in crowdfunding things they're not they're not that's not what they do you know they're not like regular movie investors right. they're they're used to things so they're going to have these you know kind of varied expectations and i think you have to just get to a point where you just decide to ignore them you, you do and, yeah and, one of the reasons why might be so if you look at you know i was of course watching other independent film campaigns that were running concurrently with ours and a lot of our donors you know, they're interested in the same genre, the same films, and, you know, we're all sort of part of the same big, big club, for lack of a better word. And some of our donors also donate to other campaigns. Some of those projects are... They're done in, like, two weeks. You know, they're done in two weeks. After, uh-huh. You know, as soon as the campaign's done, or, you know, they give three films for the price of one, and they're done in six months, or, or whatever, and we're still, like, preparing, trying to make sure this thing is worth it, you know, worth it. We don't want to make something... People have told me, they've said, with the concept, you could make a, um, like a Roger Corman type thing or something. The concept sells it. It doesn't matter what's inside the box as long as the box has the picture and the concept, the name's there. People I, will give you 20 bucks. I don't want to make I something like that. I don't want like to just give no. 20 bucks. I want to give, I want to make the movie that people, that I would want to see. I want to make the fucking movie that people want to see. Like, I want to blow their minds. Like, I want to make... The best fucking picture I can, okay? The best With the zombie money domination that we have. movie ever. And the only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know. And, and that's, you know, but that's, that exact, that right there is what I love about indie filmmaking so much. And that's why I've been, always been really happy to support you guys because you, it's, it's been very evident the passion that you have for all of the projects that you've done. And um, you're right. There are a lot of people who just, I, I've worked on films where you can tell the director doesn't care uh, and the writer couldn't yeah, care less about horror. They just think it's um, you know, a stepping yeah. stone, something they can make cheaply and then they'll go do the the quote unquote real yeah. projects, right? Yeah. Exactly. And um, you can always tell the difference between someone who's doing that and someone who actually legitimately cares about not just the project that they're working on, but the genre as a whole and the community even beyond yeah. that. And and that's always been really evident. And plus you guys you guys always have such kick-ass, like, aesthetic oh, wow. to all your projects. Cool. So, you know, thank like, you so much. Like, like you always found a really good way of, so... of, like, cutting through the noise really? and, like, making your projects really noticeable. Really yeah, I mean, think, think about just Aww. Absolutely. There's there's so many people out there trying to make Aww. a film. And, and like, obviously, Aww. some people overstep their boundaries and they're not, you know, maybe understanding about the personal things in your life. But, but I think it's also telling that they're very interested in seeing what you guys do because it it, it stood out so you know, make with, me cry with no marketing now you're gonna make <laughs> me cry again <laughs> i i that's probably the nicest thing that anyone's ever said about anything we've done mm-hmm. it really is and yeah because you always question that you always question if, if if what you're making is any good but i think any creative any creative person any artist of any type does that they always think that what they make 
is probably not good. Not as good. You know, as that's it could sort of be. one of the trademarks of being creative. It could be better. Like yeah. I fucked this up. I fucked this up. I fucked it up. You know, yep. that's, that's you obsess over it. You keep changing yeah. it. And, well, but, you know what your uh, your goals were, and you you had expectations of yourself, and and so you kind of. You have those internal failures, you know, not failures, but those little internal goals that you didn't meet. And then yep. sometimes, you know, and then the movie comes out and it's great and everybody loves it. And you're like, yes, but there was this one thing I wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. exactly. Uh, I live I live by the philosophy that people won't miss what they don't yeah, see. Yeah, that's true. You that's know, true. so sometimes uh, we had this. Uh, I remember I, I've had this debate before, but the question as to whether or not. Um, once art is released, does it belong to the artist or does it belong to the right. audience? Both. Yeah, yeah. Both. And I think a little bit of both, and but but it does transform. It belongs right? we, to, you know, in it does belong to the audience. I want it to be for the world. Like I, if yeah. I die, like I don't care. Like if I make something special that people remember me for for the rest of my existence. Well, and yeah, and you know, the the old adage is, you know, a film is made uh, three times, right? It's made when it's written, it's made when it's directed, shot, and that's made when it's edited. Yeah. But I would argue that it's made f- a fourth time, and that's when the audience. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I see right? what you're saying. So, yeah. yeah, to loop back to say, you know, uh, Veronica, you know, Danzig, Glenn Danzig went into that movie probably aiming to make a pretty right. fucked right. up mm-hmm. horror right. film, and he might have unintentionally made a comedy. Yeah. Um, but 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 he made some that people were passionate about and cared yeah. about. And um, my uh, my partner who we had on the podcast last week is is uh, becoming a screenwriter herself, and she's actively learning the craft of writing. Right. So so you guys have done this is like a three or four projects together. Is it easier working with your partner or harder or both? He changes. He um, he becomes so focused on on lighting, on set, on everything. Like I think he his biggest talent is making everything look great, but I'm not sure he's really at the point of letting actors know that they're doing a good job or not, and that worries me because uh, I feel like a failure as an actor, to be honest. Be- so, are you talking like a in your career or like after both, like a performance? Both, you just have that doubt. Well, I think that's she I thinks fail. that because she's as an artist, being the actor, an actor slash artist, she's criticizing her performance. So she thinks I'm not telling her she's doing poorly to be nice, or because I'm not focusing. I need, on it. I need that's feedback not though. That's, that's not true. The, the truth is, I need feedback. Like, can I give more? Can I? Did I deliver that line the right way? Did I? Sometimes you're just sometimes you're just spot on. You don't you don't get any feedback. Stop. What, and, and, <laughs> yeah, that's always important to remember not, when you're the one in charge. Is uh, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's so easy to forget to to remember to criticize when the uh, the criticism is uh, uh, needs improvement or something like that. But the that positive uh, stuff is just yes. Like I would take any criticism. Like even if he told me like okay you were. I didn't believe that performance that you did. Like, let's do it again. Not like, uh, what's his name? Who did The Shining? Stanley Kubrick, who made you do like 97 takes. But, you know, I want someone who sits there and tells me like, okay, that was good, but 
give me more passion in this or, or you know, focus more on the other person in this. And uh, Well, I bet you, I, I'd imagine that's a, it's a, it's a higher level of trust that's needed to develop in some ways because you never know. Well, okay, so to, to relate to, you know, me giving notes to my partner right, about writing, right. it's a fine line yeah. between um, giving, you know, giving notes that you feel are necessary, but also yeah. you don't want to like, Hurt you don't want to dim their shine. Yeah, you know? exactly, you, think, exactly. Yeah, you want to keep them feeling creative and, and uh, optimistic. You don't, wanna, you don't and want so, them to feel like, oh, I might as well give up. By giving them the, the wrong right. criticism. But there's also another option here. Another option is, you know, or another possibility, I should say, is, you know, because we do our projects from start to finish together, because we talk about them. Everything together. You know, we talk like about them together complete. so much. I think maybe we, we, maybe I understand the vision so much and she understands the performance so much that there isn't much in the way of criticism at that point. Not so much well, as it would nice. be from another actor coming on fresh, you know? So mm-hmm. maybe, and sometimes there just isn't any criticism to give. I is isn't, that. you know, that isn't, you know, entirely positive. I now, just... that being said, I will redirect and sort of, you know, you know, change the direction of the scene or, you know, try, try doing this, this time or this, but it's probably true that there's never been a time where I've just looked at her and said, that shit sucks. Back to one, <laughs> but I can't back say that. Back to one, you suck. But for everyone else, they they all you get that shit sucks. Suck. Back to one, so. yeah, because these are right. these are characters that Bianca created. You right. both created yeah. together, so yep. yeah, yeah, you're gonna know what is what needs to be. I think that's more and, more likely. What's and happening. I'll tell you this: this character, even though it sounds sad to say, like there's a hole in her that wants revenge for being born. It's a lot of me in this character. There is, I mean, to a point because I've I I I felt that way before. You know what I mean? What? Well, it sounds like just based on you know some of the the trials and and troubles that have occurred over the making of it. Yeah. You know, being able to take that and redirecting it into the performance mm-hmm. and redirecting it into the vision, yeah. and and putting a again go back to that human element. Yes of of this film that that is real it's not just not just fabricated exactly. it's not just a uh, derived to to get a reaction but it's actually part of you it guys' is me. experience overall. it is it's it's me like the the character is me that's the reason the com- the uh, script went went from um more a of a comedy, comedy to, to uh, a sort of a, seri- a dark revenge film. after our dogs passed away it it became like okay Fuck this. Let's be real about this shit. We've yeah, we've seen a lot of revenge films. We've seen a lot of revenge films from uh, that are, that have like the male protagonist yeah. and the, the sort of the actiony role and and there's there's a subgenre of horror that sort of does the um, the woman getting revenge, you know, uh, uh, trope that exists. But I, it sounds like and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but. This is going to be a little bit different in, in that the, uh, well, as, as the title would suggest, this character is a little bit more dominant yeah. in their position. Yep. Even if they're getting revenge and even if they were wrongly killed, it's not like, um, it doesn't sound so much like she was victimized. Right. Exactly. Inherently, like in the way that traditionally Thank you. you see a, a woman in yep. a war film victimized. Yeah, she, like she's is... victimized. Let's not let's not mistake that. She's victimized, but she... She chooses to live a life and to be a way that puts herself in the position to be victimized. Whereas, like last house, uh, last house on the left, that's, yeah. that's one of them, right? Right, that's yeah. right. One of them, yeah. Or I spend your grade. Yeah, Those right. you have yeah. a very, you have a very um, 
girl obvious, next door, like, innocent sweet victim. girl. Yeah. And my character is, she's a user. She's, she's a, um, she's not a nice person, okay, to begin with. And I'm not saying that I personally am not a nice person, but in my... I would argue you're a very nice person. <laughs> no, thank you. In my life, I've done things that have sickened me that I felt like I can't even believe that was me that did that. I'm seeking something just like everyone else and I'm not fucking finding it and it's pissing me off and I'm vengeful because I feel sick that I was ever born and I didn't, I feel like I didn't ask for it. So, I mean, that's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah, that's heavy existential sort of reality being infused in a character in a genre that maybe doesn't always get that level of, of deeper thought. I agree. Yeah, and that's, again, the reason, the, the story being that you're interested in writing. It, it is another difference between it and the other revenge films we've seen. Sort of the character arc in those revenge films are they, the victim starts out very sweet and innocent and then, you know, by no making of her own, um, she's victim victimized, and then she that you know causes a change in her, so she gets revenge, and in the end we see whatever the ultimate change in changes. And this one, the character, as we said before, is already sort of dark herself, mm-hmm. not really recognizing it in herself. Self-destructive so and dark. Putting herself in a situation to be victimized, yeah. Then coming back to get revenge. But need the lesson that needs to be learned in the story arc is that you know she needs to learn to to again move away from those dark things in herself, right? To, so to that's sort of move away from yeah. herself, be less selfish, and like you know open herself and be loving to others. I yeah. guess again, are you probably very different than any way we've we've seen the female rape revenge or what have mm-hmm. you portrayed in the past? Hopefully it's, right. it's successful, okay. but that's one reason, you know, like I said, the writing's taking a while, just trying to make sure everything's... Here's my my prediction. Audiences will hate it. Critics will love it. Well, I, I can't imagine with the level of thought you guys are putting into it, once it's made, um, you know, as you guys can attest to, indie filmmaking is difficult. Yeah. We, we uh, one, of our frequent, one of our frequent guests, Jude, uh, was on our show a while back, and we actually entitled the episode, So You Want to Be a yeah. Filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's a hard road, you know, <laughs> yes, and, the, yes. and I think the road of any artist yes. is hard. Yes, true. You're and, right, um, 100%. Filmmaking in particular, because it's so collaborative, yep. that you're reliant, mm-hmm. even despite your best efforts, you're very reliant on, on everyone else to sort of be there yes. on board as well. Be there and be Especially 100%. 100% there, and plus, you're not always paying them, so they have to really trust you. You know, you can't right. pay him at first. Maybe the first film you can't pay him, but the second, third, fourth film you can. But, you know, they have to really believe in the picture and love the art, I think. Uh, I, I'm super excited. I, like I said, I've, I've been happy to support you guys yeah. over the years and really excited for when it beca- it comes. It's when it's completed and, and it's completed to match your yeah. vision and match your expectation. And um, whatever time that takes, I think, is time well spent so that you get a project that you're really, really happy Uh, with. Yeah, agreed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Today we had our fancy uh, 
James Madison like party mm -hmm. and that was the weirdest thing because when I was in elementary school probably second or third grade probably third grade uh, they asked me to do a presentation on any president and everybody chose George Washington and uh, of course, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I chose yeah. James Madison for some dumb reason. Like, I'm like, James Madison. Well, I find out, you know, a, a few years later, like, well, several years later, because I'm old. I find out, I, I go, I went to his house for 16 hours or whatever with during the War of 1812, and... Uh, I figure out, like, he showed up on 826, which is my birthday, August 26th, and... Yeah, there's some definitely some parallels there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. And strange like, connections. It's weird, like, why did I choose him as a, four, like, third, second, third grader? Like, out of all the presidents that we had before, I'm like, James Madison, I did this whole report on him. And then I show up and I'm in his house today, like that was his house for 16 hours. And now the reason we were there, yeah, the reason we were there, and you know, another stressor that's related to the movie, but not entirely. But my day, my day job isn't exactly stress free. I'm actually a uh, professional historian, architectural historian. That's what I do, and it's for the biggest historic preservation program in the country and one of the most populous counties in the country and i basically run the, the, the place uh that's mm. not easy work it's a lot of long days and it's you know it's me trying to do that and write 20 plus staff reports and then go home and write parts of the movie Sh shake off shake off the sort of uh, the logistics and the and the work from the day and then try to put your your artist hat yeah. on tell them that and carve yeah. out another couple hours yeah and you get a, and yeah and by doing that you do get a, like Another jolt because you're, you're shifting gears. You know, but then you get that DC traffic that's like so great. So my day ends up, you know, there's as we talked about earlier, the, the commute's long too. So yeah. it's there's a lot of stuff in the way, but you know, it's a, it's a good job. I worked really hard to get the job. It's a well-paying job, and I'm able to supplement the money that we receive from the fundraiser. So, for instance, a lot of the stuff that we've purchased or uh, bought for the production thus far, I've completely repaid and replenished the film fund the kickstarter so for instance yes. if right. if some of the art that we promised for the special um Jeff director's Gators cut and x and o yeah that art i paid for just to get it done from the uh, the kickstarter funds which is what they were they were donated for next is they ed were, repka right they were part of the uh the um what do they call those the not not the extension the uh they were just part expansion of goals expansion or whatever goals, they call yeah. them yeah, so, yeah, and then we're gonna pay Ed Repka, and then we're yeah. gonna who? Yeah, mean, he's he's making a poster that's going to be featured. He's making a poster for us in the film, and it's it features. So he's you know he's famous for the Megadeth, uh, you know the sort of Vic Rattlehead, Vic Rattlehead, and, and other bands with sort yeah. of those mascots. And we have a mascot puppet being created by it Ralph was Cordero. created by Ralph Cordero. Now uh, Webster Colcord is waiting to paint it and animate it. But I've subsequently replenish the film fund so that there's more there for the actual production right? yeah and if so, i'm if i'm making like two three four five hundred dollars a month off of my photos that i sell every month i put it right into the 
Zominatrix fun, so it's not like... So the longer it takes to go into production, that's another plus, really, is what I'm really trying to get at here, is the more that I can move... For like, you, not for me, because, like, every day I get about 10 emails, like, when's your movie getting made? For the production, though, because, you know, every time I get paid, I move more money into the account. I know. So there's more there to actually yeah. shoot with. Yeah. Is, is what it is. Or you're, getting, you're giving yourself more time to get the creative right. You're giving yourself more, money. Uh, more time to put more energy into it, and then, and then you more know, money. put more resources towards it. So, uh, and, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe you ending up in James Madison's uh, capital for 16 hours is some sort of good omen that was you know predicted long ago and this is like the turn now like I know, the worst is over right? and and now you're like yeah you know, bright skies okay ahead. don't make me cry do you want to have any um final thoughts for any of your zombinatrix fans out there you know um, who have been tracking this project for you know however long please, please trust us please know that we are taking our time because we want to make the best movie absolutely possible we don't want this to be like a flash in the pan like something that oh i saw it on netflix and blows boring it was stupid it was like oh that was kind of cool we want this to maybe become a chain we want zombinatrix to be a costume that girls want to wear or men who who knows uh, who who want to wear that, you know, the next few Halloweens. We want to bring it on the road. We want to do William Castle-style fun parties like Rift Tracks does and uh, make it so you can come meet us or, or John Waters and uh, you come meet us and we all celebrate and we have a great time and we watch the movie and you hate it you throw tomatoes at it that's fine you love it <laughs> you buy copy like it it doesn't matter we just want to meet you guys and we want to know everything we want to know what you didn't like what you did like and and if you want a sequel then we'll make it even better like evil dead too you know that, that's that's awesome. what we that's want awesome. i will add well, I'll that, add one thing. Yeah, if okay. they want us to make it uh, really quickly and get it done tomorrow, we can. It's just going to be absolute garbage. So. <laughs> That's right. So all you Kickstarter backers, stop emailing Bianca, harassing her. <laughs> you heard it here. She's, they're, they're working hard. Leave them alone. Be a backer and back yeah, off. Right. Can, I, can I tell thing. you the truth? We had to both take our uh, We both had to take our personal accounts down because... Every day, I, I'm not kidding, every day there were like 10 to 15 emails of people saying like, either I want to be in your movie or <laughs> or um, just where's your movie? So I just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm taking this down. Like you want, you want professional contact, contact me and Michael, Michael and I through uh, the Zominatrix page. The end. Yeah, I saw. I even saw like on the Kickstarter page, some guy was like, "Hey, I just uh, donated to your, your your Kickstarter. Can I be on the soundtrack?" It's like, oh, <laughs> just just put it out there like that, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's well, like I say, there's definitely a desire for it, and um, I, I think you know, that's a testament to the, to the amount of passion yeah. that you're putting into it. So, um, I mean, I think I could speak for Matt that the Grindhouse is a supporter Aww, of Zombernatrix, and you. we're super excited for all the all of its progress. And feel free to keep us updated and let us know, and we'll be happy to talk about it and get the well, word out. Thank you, you very guys much. are the 
best, 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 best ever, and I'm going to give you the namaste, which it, I don't know if you know what it means. I'm sure some of you do, but it means we, we the do. light light inside of me recognizes and appreciates the light inside of you. So namaste, okay? Namaste. I will second that. Namaste. Second that and say thanks again for having us on. Really had a blast. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Whips and Brains Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.